I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, no Gators basketball coach Mike White has had an interesting season. At one point, it looked as though the Gators might not even finish with a winning record. How did they make their run to the NCAA tournament as the 10th seed in the West? And what is the future of Gators basketball under coach Mike White. We'll break that down with Chris Harry, the senior writer for GatorZone.com, who also has a personal story about the greatest gift he received from a stranger. You won't want to miss our interview with Chris Harry in just a minute. We've also got some questions we'll answer on Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, and Brent Grimes on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, before we get started, do you want to be a millionaire? For 30 years, Howard and Sue Million have brought the cool comfort of air conditioning to the entire Tampa Bay area, making thousands of residents millionaires with their quality products and service. Millionaire is currently offering 0% interest for 72 months on qualifying equipment. So please give them a call at 727-862-2100 to take advantage of this great offer on brand new quality train air conditioning units or to schedule service or maintenance. Call 727-862-2100 today. Trust the masters of comfort, millionaire. Chris Harry is a senior writer for GatorZone.com, and he joins us now. Chris, before we talk about the Gators and their basketball team, which is the 10th seed in the West region, um, you and I go back a while, but I, I was floored when I, when I saw the story that you wrote in the Washington Post, and it's appeared in, in the Tampa Bay Times as well. Someone uh, who uh, collects uh, you, YouTube clips, uh, and they did this for uh, this particular 1952 game show called Winner Take All, connected you and your brother with a young man that uh, would become your father. Tell us about this. Uh, it's really a, a, an, an incredible story, and obviously it was incredible enough that I felt compelled to, to write about it. And because of my, my, my uh, background up in Washington, I, I went to, to sell the story after hearing it, and the Washington Post is really interesting. Here, here's the deal. is my, my brother, who lives in California, was one day sitting at his desktop, and this uh, message came in via uh, di- direct message uh, messenger on Facebook. And he just, he said, I found this. That's all the person said. It came in from somebody my brother did not know. And he opened it up, and it was a video from a 1952 game show of my father um, with Bill Cullen, old uh, game show host, in black and white. And, and, and it was like a 25-minute video of him uh, winning this game show and then advancing to another round and winning winning the next one. Uh, uh, and it, he was 22 years old and he's in his Navy, uh, Navy uniform. And we had never seen it, but we've seen pictures of him in that, at that game show, uh, still shots, but mm-hmm. to hear uh, moving, talking pictures of my father uh, uh, at that age was an, just an incredible thing, a, a gift, if you will. And, my brother, who who are you? Where where did you find this? How do you, and this person said, uh, my hobby is to find old uh, videos from game shows. He goes, it's a hobby of his, and he sends these to people anonymously. And 
my brother, he said, I, I don't know how to thank you. Is there something? Went, no, you can't do anything for it. And as this thing progressed, and I, he sent it to me, and of course I had never seen it. We wanted to find out who this guy was. And when the Washington Post, when I pitched the story, wanted to find out who the person was. CBS wanted to find out who the person was when they read my story. I got uh, uh, inquiries from the state of Washington, the state of Utah, uh, New York, uh, Chicago, places I've never, people and places I've never heard of that wow. wanted to know how to find this guy named Jeff. And we went to Jeff because we were getting a lot of notoriety for it. And Jeff said, I don't do it for that. I do it for my own happiness and to make people happy. So uh, at the time, it got a lot of attention and it made us feel really good. And one of the things that I think that that drew people to it so much, Rick, and not to take, I'm not taking a political side here, but people just aren't used to being nice to people nowadays. And this guy sits yeah. at home in the middle of the night and looks at looks for videos and tries to uh, uh, make memories for people, and he certainly did it for our family. And that was nice of uh, your newspaper to run that story after I wrote it. And I guess he's he, he suffers. He has a trouble sleeping. This is one of the reasons why he uh, he, he <laughs> catches up on these old game shows, right? He he he's an insomniac, and he stays up at night and starts uh, going through these things. And in the story, if anyone looks for it, uh, there's a link out that the post ran. And eventually you, it got taken off YouTube, and my brother actually uh, went back to the guy and said, hey, they took this link down. Do you know why? He goes, he sent him something, he goes, give me a few minutes. He found another one on a totally different uh, uh, link, and it was in HD. Okay? No. <laughs> so this is, <laughs> yeah. so this, is what, this, this, this is what this guy does. And I think my, we got people say, hey, can you tell him to look up this or this? My, my, my grandmother was on this show, and... Um, I, I don't think he operates like that, but, uh, yeah. again, there was something that happened right around Christmas and it was the best gift uh, our family could have possibly got. And it's something that we'll never, ever forget. And it's a classic, uh, pay it forward kind of thing. It makes you want to, makes you want to do good things for people. No question. It's a, it's a tremendous story. Your dad, uh, was, you said 22 years old, you lost him in 2013. Um, That's right. and, and, and what, what, I mean, you, Obviously, you know, it was before he, he met you, met and married your mom or married your mom, I guess. Um, they were dating. Before you, they were dating at the dating time. At the time. And, and yeah, he actually won yeah. another game show prior to that, that same day, right? Actually, they, he got out of that game show that's on the video. Okay. And these guys saw him walking in his uniform. They go, hey, let's go. You want to go in this? It's called the big payoff. And he goes, well, I just was on this show. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Ran him into a different game show. He went in there and, and won some more stuff in there. So, <laughs> It was a good day. He was on Liberty. Remember that? Right? They gave like Mr. Roberts. I gave you men Liberty. He was on Liberty <laughs> in New York City, and ends up being on a, a, a two game shows, and went, ended up ultimately winning a trip to Europe that he, he and my mom have eventually used for their for their honeymoon. And now my mom gets to relive that whole thing by watching uh, by watching uh, uh, that show from that time. Incredible, incredible story. You're absolutely right. Just tremendous. You have to read it. Uh, you can again. You can go to the Washington Post or the Tampa the Tampa Times and read it. It's it still gives me chills just to hear you say it is even is even better. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the Gators. This is uh, what you do. Uh, you, you follow all things Florida, but uh, this has been. Kind of an interesting year. I mean, the Gators uh, are 19 and 15 now. Uh, I mentioned they were a 10th seed in the West Region in Des Moines. Um, they they had kind of a kind of a streaky season. I mean, they had big wins over LSU, including one in the tournament. So, um, first of all, are you are you surprised that they made it to the tournament? And and just by the way, the, the selection committee didn't do them any favors. How nervous were those guys to come down to the last literally the last two teams? 
that was almost like a like a like a trick played on them or something like that because they've been told after winning that LSU game on Friday in the dramatic fashion they won. You know, you guys are in, you guys are in. But my goodness, my goodness gracious, that was a <laughs> it did come down to the very last thing because you knew uh, underneath them what it was going to be. I believe a two seed, which was going to be playing a fifteen seed. So you knew it wasn't going to be. The, it was either that hole or none. Right. And right. sure enough, they they pop up there with Nevada. But uh, to to your point. I think it was about six weeks ago, Rick. This team was twelve and eleven, and mm. Mike White had him in the uh, had him in the locker room. I, I want to say it was a halftime at TCU. He said, well, "You know, what do you guys want of this year? I mean, it, it's just, it, do, do you want to go to the NCAA tournament? Do you even want to go to the NIT? Do you even want to have a, a winning record?" And he put <laughs> that to them at halftime of this game, and he made the point today. He goes, "He, he it motivated him so much that they went out and still lost the game." Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, but, but but what happened over the course? Kabari Say is a senior center uh, up from up the road here from Live Oak. He had a players-only meeting after a loss to Tennessee, and kind of echoed the same kind of sentiments Mike did in that. In that, he said, "You know, guys, you know, we, you know, we love each other. What are we going to do? I mean, what is this? What is this? How our season is going to end?" And he went on a really good five-game winning streak with wins at Alabama and a, a win at at LSU at a time when they were, uh, I believe, I think, to tenth in the country. Got him back into things. So you're thinking at the time, I believe at the time they were 17 and 11, and, and they're coming home for two games, three more games left. They get to 18, they're, they're, they're in really, really good shape. Well, they lose to a terrible Georgia team at home, just an atrocious game, maybe the worst game of the year. Then they lose uh, at home to LSU in the next game on senior night. Then they get beat by Kentucky, as uh, Kentucky always does to people in the last game of the season. Now you're 17 and 14, and you're not in the tournament. Then you go to the tournament, you beat Arkansas, you beat number nine LSU, uh, and you put together a much better resume than, than, than you have before. And that's what got the, 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 uh, the, the attention of the selection committee. 19 wins. It's 15 losses, yes, but it's also and, – and, and that's the most ever, uh, ever given to an at-large team. That ties the most losses ever for an at-large team. But at the same time, uh, how they finish the season uh, with that win against LSU, beating the regular season champions twice – um, they, every every big time team they played, they played Tennessee twice. They played Kentucky twice. They played LSU three times. They played Michigan State, which is a two seed. So the selection committee loves when when you don't uh, you know just buy directional schools for to pad to pad your win local, win total. Florida challenged themselves. They didn't win a lot of those games, but if had they played easier teams, Rick, then all of a sudden you're looking at a 21 win season or something. But it's not that impressive because you haven't played anybody. So they, right. they, they, they go in at 19 and 15. Um, they got a little bit of confidence because of how they played in the SEC tournament. They were right in the game at the end against Auburn. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, maybe they didn't do them a whole lot of favor, sending them out to Des Moines and what have you. But, at, you know, at 19 and 15, you don't, you don't deserve to play in Jacksonville like, like, like maybe another team might have. But uh, uh, they're happy to be in the tournament. Uh, Florida and Kentucky are the only teams in the SEC to make the tournament the last three years. So, uh uh, kudos to Mike White for getting them there because a couple of weeks ago it, it it really didn't look that good. Right, and th- their team. I mean, they have kind of a mix of of seniors, as you mentioned. Um, um, some of them. I mean, uh, obviously they got uh, Kevon Allen's been there. It seems like forever, and uh, uh, Jalen Hudson, and 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 yet they also have some really young players too. So it's where where are they at in their program? Is it kind of a transitional time for for Mike White. And a little bit of mix mix of both. We yeah, had three seniors. I mentioned Kavarius Hayes is the third one. Uh, 
Uh, you know, uh, early on in the season, I mean, Andrew Nemhard is the point guard from Montverde Academy. He's Canadian. He was on their uh, under-19 team, excuse me, under-18 national team. Very mature player. He got here. They gave him the ball right away to be a point guard. He started every game this season. Has been has been has been really really great. Uh, about five games in the season, uh, Mike White didn't like what he's seen at Jalen Hudson and put Noah Locke in, another freshman. He's from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, and, and, and those two guys started then halfway through the season, Keontae Johnson, another freshman from Norfolk, Virginia. Now you have three freshmen starting and these aren't Kentucky freshmen, right? So it's not like you're, you're, these aren't Duke freshmen. They got some pretty good freshmen at Duke, I think. So, but, uh, yeah, they had to kind of learn some stuff on the fly and learn how to play together. And, um, all those guys had their ups and downs to be quite honest. And Noah Locke is not in the starting lineup. Now Jalen Hudson has kind of found his rhythm after, after really, really struggling the first three quarters of the season. But um, to back to your question, yeah, it has been somewhat of a mix. And I think they've kind of, uh, with what happened the SEC tournament, kind of found the right blend of what they need to do going into, uh, going into the, these games that are going to matter more than any others. You know, uh, look, you, you know Billy Van Donovan very, very well. And, and for someone to take over from him like Mike White has done and, and get his team back in the NCAA tournament um, you know, so many times, I mean – what kind of a, what kind of an effort was that uh, for him? First of all, to take over from a coach that had accomplished what Billy had, and and just if they if for some reason they end their season in Des Moines, wh- wh- where where is this program headed right now under Mike White? I think it's headed in a in a pretty good place. I mean, to 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 your initial question, I mean, uh, do you ever want to be the guy who takes over for the guy? I don't know. So. Um, <laughs> no. uh, yeah. I mean, it usually, I mean, it, here at Florida, it certainly hasn't ended well. Uh, uh, Ron Zook took yeah. over for Spurrier, Ron Zook, and right. uh, 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 Will Muschamp took over for Urban Meyer. Um, mm. Mike, Mike White fully embraced uh, the expectations that came with that and the pressures that went with it. I mean, I'll give you a great example. It, there's a big, at the Florida basketball practice facility, Rick, there's a gigantic mural of Billy Donovan's uh, uh, head. You walk in and it's this big, just, of his face as you walk in and so when he got there they go coach what do you want to do with this he goes leave it up don't ever take it down at least not while i'm here so that thing wow. is still there so he looks at that every day and he wow. also looked at it every day he walked in his first season um when they went to the nit now having said that billy Dom's last team here people people seem to forget uh when they criticize mike white a lot certainly on social media billy Dom's last team was 16 and 17 and that was after a year after going to the final four he didn't have a whole lot in the cupboard. He had he had some players. He had Dorian Finney-Smith. He had Johnny Bunu. Uh, he had he had some DC. He had Casey Hill. He had some guys to work with. Certainly a, a young Chris Chioza. Um, but he t- a, a year after that NIT, they were in the Elite Eight and, and had a chance to go to the Final Four. So they've been to the NCAA tournament the last three years. Um, his recruiting, uh, he just he's got a three man class coming in. Two of them are McDonald's All Americans. A kid by the name of Scotty Lewis from New Jersey. Another kid by the name of Trey Mann, who's here, who's from here in Gainesville. Um, uh, uh, you know, that, that, that's a really good starting place. They hadn't had McDonald's All American sign here since 2013 with Billy Donovan. So uh, that's where the team will be next year. They'll lose three guys. They're going to bring in some grad transfer post player who's going to help out. But I think in terms of where this team is right now, where the program is in general, you got the momentum of three straight NCAA tournaments. And I think he may have his best team next year not to put any more pressure on him than he's going to have anyway but the team next year i think is going to be better than team this year yeah he's done he's done a really good job you look at the west region i mean florida state is also there it would seem they got a tough first round game with murray state i would think um 
and then of course Florida. I, I'm assuming you think they play Michigan if they if they get by Nevada, right? Yeah, Michigan is matched up. Uh, help me out here. I, I yeah. I mean, it's a two fifteen game. Uh, Michigan yeah, is an win. excellent tournament team. Played for the national championship last year. Uh, I saw firsthand what Michigan did to a really good Florida team in uh, 2013 in the Elite Eight. It's just absolutely destroyed them from the opening jump. I think the score was 21 to four, like five six minutes into the game. John Beeline's a great coach. They always they always can have they always have shooters. They always guard. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I would assume uh, would be Michigan. But Nevada is quite the uh, the challenge in itself. This is a team last year that made a run to the uh, Sweet 16 itself. Um, I, I believe they beat they were they were a 10 seed last year. No, they were a seven last year also. They beat Texas, then they beat second second seeded Cincinnati in the second the in in, in the in the follow up game to get the Sweet 16. And then they were one of those uh, 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 hard luck teams to lose to Loyola Marymount which one, if people recall, made it to the – its first three games in the NCAA tournament last year were decided by four points. Uh, they, and one of those was a one-point win over Nevada. They have, a, they have two twins who are outstanding players, Caleb Martin and Colby Martin. They're transfers from NC State. And a kid by the name of Jordan Caroline, who uh-huh. is 17 point, almost 10 rebounds. And people there in Tampa, of course, will know that he is Simeon Rice's son. And he transferred there from Southern Illinois. So – you can imagine he's probably a pretty good athlete and could probably uh, throw like six or seven sacks for, for, for the Nevada football team. <laughs> well, Simeon Rice's dream was, was to play in the NBA, as you know. I mean, he, uh, right. he, oh, he was a basketball player first and, um, and then found out he could, he played he could a little sack USBL quarterbacks. On the, he played a little USBL uh, in the offseason, much to the chagrin of some of his NFL, uh, NFL coaches. But, you know, as you know, Simeon Rice, Rice didn't give a lot of F, did he? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he it came easy for him. He kind of flew by his own path. He did. He did. We'll have to. We'll have to try to catch up with Simeon about. I'm sure he's proud of his son and proud of where they're at uh, in the tournament, um, sort of as as well. So uh, it's you know it's that time of year, March Madness. You see as much college basketball as anybody uh, when you travel around the country, mostly SEC, but. Um, I'm not surprised, except that Michigan State seemed like the Big Ten got a little disrespected in this in these pairings. I don't know. I mean, they got in eight teams. That's the most of any conference. I mean, people might say, well, Indiana might have deserved to get in. Uh, I mean, I think they were 17 and 15. They had some really good wins and some atrocious losses. They were under 500 in their league. Um, uh, I, you know, I should, it, should it, Michigan it, State it, should Michigan State have been a number one seed? I guess that's what it comes down to. Uh, maybe. I mean, but who's not going to be the one more one seed? You're going to take it away from yeah. Duke, North Carolina, Virginia, or Gonzaga. I mean, Gonzaga, maybe you could have made a case for that, made them a two seed, but then you sit there and say, they're the only team to beat Duke when they had all their bullets in the chamber. They had Zion yeah. Williams yeah. When, when, when Gonzaga beat them. And I've seen Gonzaga play last year. I was at the PK-80 out in Portland, Florida, and Gonzaga played just an epic double overtime basketball game in early November that had the feel of a of a regional final and that guy's like Mark Few is a great coach they, and they got a bunch of great players they got a bunch of guys that play in the NBA so I, I'm I don't think Tom Izzo is probably too upset about being a two seed but uh they're actually I, actually I saw them play up close too they the Michigan State was here in Gainesville this year so they got a really yeah. good team and uh and if they get their center back from injury they they, they could certainly make a run to that final four all right, so let's uh, give me your national champion, or your, for that matter, if you know who you think your Final Four is going to be yet. I mean, oh, I won't get all. 
I'm not going to get all deep and philosophical, Rick, okay? Um, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Johnny. You good fuck. No, uh, <laughs> go ahead. Take it away. <laughs> no, I no, I think it's that you know, people don't know this, but Chris, of course, uh, we we covered the Bucks together for years and years, and and Chris with the, at the Orlando Sentinel, and and uh, I have told this story before about a few good Bucks, but Chris is actually the the originator of of Gruden being Colonel <laughs> Jessup. Can also do the entire I movie. Call, if I you... call plays fifty yards from two hundred eighty <laughs> pound defensive lineman trained to kill my quarterback. So don't think you can come in here, flash your press credential, and make me nervous. <laughs> that was it, man. And it applies to everything. Even today, that legacy has continued. It's unbelievable, man. It is unbelievable. Where were we? Um, I think I asked you for a national champion. You don't have to get deep in philosophical. Yes, yes, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I, I mean, come on. I mean, Duke looks like an NBA team. They, 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 have, they probably have three of the top four picks in the draft. I mean, they, they're my hard, solid favorite. I, I, sentimentally, I want Virginia to win, and not because um, – not because my daughter uh, goes to school there right now, but because of the lesson in class and dignity that Tony Bennett showed the world last year after one of the most humiliating sports uh, moments in sports history. Um, I think they've had a phenomenal season coming off that, obviously, historically epic loss. And I, and I would love to see them make a run to the Final Four. But uh, if you, you want, I'll give you two sleepers to the final. I think Florida State has a really good chance to get there because of how big. I mean, they're just enormous. If you, if you ever can stand out, sit down there close and see how big they are. I mean, when they go small, they got like two six ten guys in the game. Um, uh, and they, uh, even if we want to go a little more, uh, little more sleeperish, University of Buffalo has had a phenomenal season, and uh, it, they would. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Be in the upper echelon uh, of some of, of some high major conferences if they were playing in it right now. So uh, FSU and Buffalo are in that in that West region. They could end up playing uh, one another to uh, to maybe advance and maybe get to a, a regional final against them. So we'll see what happens with that. But um, obviously, someone's going to have to have play a near flawless game. Um, or someone on Duke is going to ha- have to get injured for the Blue Devils not to be in the thick of it at the end. Yeah, I think if Nike has fixed their shoes, that probably won't happen, um, huh. at least to the big guy. One final question I have to ask you. Yeah. What do you make of Steve Spurrier coaching the Orlando Apollos right now of the AAF? Well, I mean, I get asked that. I've asked that. Uh, he doesn't have to recruit. And it's kind of like um, he's going out for – he can't play golf like he used to anymore. So he has to go out and call plays. And, and that's kind of what he does best. And uh, he's got his buddies back with him uh, from the old yeah. days, some of, like the four or five guys that coached with him here. There's no pressure at all. Um, uh, and, and his team is decent. 
So it'd be one thing if, if, it, if he was like 0-5, and right? I think he's 5-1 and one right now. And he may yeah. end up in the playing for the league championship or something. But I know one thing. His, he's happy. His family is happy for him. And uh, who are we to say that this guy shouldn't be coaching this or having fun doing this? Or, um, But, uh, uh, you know, salute to him. He's back doing, doing what he enjoys to do at, at 72 years old. Uh, no one knows how much time anybody has left. So if he can get a few more ball plays and run a few more Emory and Henry formations and, and a couple more double passes or something, God bless him. That's what I yeah, no, it's great. It's great. Anytime Steve Spurrier is, is coaching football, I'm I'm watching. So um, that's that's a good time. He's Chris Harry. You can read him on GatorZone.com. Follow his coverage of the Gators all year long, actually. And Chris, thanks so much for your time. I know it's a busy time for you. All right, Rick. You take care. Thanks a lot for having me on. Always great to catch up with Chris, longtime friend. And uh, if you get a chance, I encourage uh, you guys to try to find that story. Uh, you can do that probably on our website, TampaBay.com on uh, Chris's dad and, and the whole YouTube clip. It's just surreal, really, to have an opportunity to see your father as a 22-year-old man, um, as you had never seen him before, and um, and the memories that must have brought back, of course, um, for his mom and everybody else in the family. So uh, we got a, a couple questions that we will answer. You know, we're going to have a mailbag tomorrow. Um, we'll do these a uh, few questions now, but if you have questions, uh, this is a good good time of the week to do it. Uh, send them to uh, us on Twitter at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud, or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Your mailbag questions uh, tomorrow on anything, the Bucks, the Bolts, the Rays, you name it, college basketball, we'll, uh, we'll answer them, and we will be 100% accurate. So John asks, I don't understand why they didn't try to lock Jameis Winston in for a few more years at a slightly lower number. You know, we've been talking about the salary cap and things like that, and, and people have asked why have, have they mismanaged the cap? Is, is Why is they have so little money, the least amount of money in the NFL, I think, right now? And really the reason is in part because of Jameis Winston reaching that fifth-year option and the fact that he went from, um, you know, a moderately priced rookie to somebody with a $20.1 million salary, which is a, a pretty hefty raise. And then you add to that, Guys like Mike Evans making $20 million and, and some of the other guys is re-signing of Donovan Smith and such. And so you had that whole 2015 class sort of come up at once, and it was an outstanding class. That's why they weren't able to re-sign Quan Alexander or Adam Humphreys, uh, and they've locked up guys like Ali Marpet. So I think that um, you know the, the fact that those rookies, their window has closed in terms of their rookie deals. Now they're onto their second deals, and you could count Jameis among them at least for this year. As to why they haven't locked him up, well, I, I mean, I think the easy answer is he hasn't proven that uh, he's somebody that they want for four more seasons. I mean, look, uh, they see all the upside. That, that's why he's still here. Certainly last year was an uneven year with the, the suspension, the three-game suspension. They've now tra- changed head coaches. So Bruce Arians is, is here essentially to see if he can save Jameis Winston as the franchise quarterback for this team because they'll have five years now invested in a good amount of money as well. And to that extent, they're even clearing the deck with, you know, having not tried to bring back Ryan Fitzpatrick or, for my money, probably anybody that could actually compete with Jameis or push him for a starting job. That's not the plan. They want Jameis to pretty much run unopposed, find a backup quarterback if you need him for a game or two that can keep you afloat. But basically, there's no division on the football team. He's the starting quarterback. He's the face of the franchise. He's the guy. And give him every opportunity and no excuses to not really succeed in the system under Bruce Arians and Byron Lepwich and such. Now, if they did lock you know, that's that's the first thing, right? You, do you believe in this guy beyond 2019? And I think 
The easy answer is mm, not really. Now, could you do something with the $20 million? You'd have to roll it into 2020, and that would put you on the hook for him next year. It would certainly lower the salary cap this season. But I think I think that's you know five years with a guy that you've had you know as the number one overall pick. If he doesn't make it with your franchise, it's a safe bet that he's going to be playing somewhere else. And it's amazing, but that stat is still out there that really, unless you count this club option, no quarterback with this franchise has ever made it to a second contract. Um, and they've had lots of opportunities with Vinny Testaverde and. Doug Williams and, you know, Steve Young and, and, you know, just all the quarterbacks that have come through here, Trent Dilfer, but none of them have made it to the uh, second contract. So I, I think it has a lot to do with just, you know, where they're at with Jameis and, and it's sort of a prove it thing. And, you know, quite frankly, they probably don't mind putting the pressure on him that way and, and having that as a carrot. You know, some guys play better when they're playing for their futures, when they're playing for, that $100 million deal or whatnot. And, um, you know, why not leave him hungry? Now, if, if for some reason he you know blows everybody away, he makes the playoffs, wins a bunch of games as they would hope he would do, well, what do you do the next year? Well, you try to reach a long-term deal with him, or you can franchise him at that point. You can use a tag, a transition tag, a franchise tag, and lock him up until such a time that you can get a long-term agreement. So I think that's probably pretty much it. Uh, so Michael uh, Taborass along that lines. Uh, so is Mike Evans' contract front loaded, and will he get less of a cap hit as he gets deeper into it? Um, Mike Evans is due to make twenty million dollars this year. However, it is the last of what is the guaranteed money, unless he's on the roster in March seventeenth of two thousand and, and uh, I guess it'd be two thousand and twenty. Yeah, two thousand twenty. And at that point, $11 million of his contract would be guaranteed. Now, the numbers go down considerably, I think, um, after, after this year. I think it's four, was it 14.25 or something like that. Um, rotates down a bit afterwards. So $20 million is, is the high-water mark for Mike Evans for the remaining years of his contract. So uh, you won't see a cap number quite that high. Uh, They could actually go to Mike Evans, and if they were convinced that he was going to be here next season, and really I don't see any reason why he wouldn't be, they could turn some of that guaranteed money into a signing bonus and amateurize it over two years, but that would give him a, a, you know, there would would not be a zero dead money if you were to cut him or something like that. He'd actually be on your your list for uh, money that you have to apply towards the salary cap. Uh, They haven't restructured it yet. It'd be an easy thing to do. I'm not sure, you know, exactly how many more free agents they have to sign or if there's any big ticket guys, but that that remains an option, but his contract is more or less, I guess front loaded would be a, a way of saying it. Um and it does the cap number does get a little smaller and more importantly the guarantee, the guaranteed money is paid out really in the first couple of years. Um another question we had from uh IMO Personations, I guess, uh, on Twitter is uh, have you heard anything on Brent Grimes? Curious to see if any team risks signing a player that was so openly against doing what he was asked to do because he felt underpaid. No, I have not heard anything from Brent Grimes, but then again, I haven't been on the Miko podcast or something or Instagram or whatever it is they do. I guess they, they might have a podcast where she, um, of course, announced with great fanfare that uh, and, and interviewed Brent essentially with Brent saying, you know what, they didn't pay me enough money to cover guys man-to-man, <laughs> which might be the most damning thing a guy has ever said about his career. So 
let's play this out. First of all, the tape is not good. You know, Brent Grimes had a lot of uh, a lot of plays that he, a lot of tackles that he turned down. Did not seem all that engaged. I'm not saying he was the worst player in the world. He didn't get a lot of opportunities to make plays on balls and stuff like that. They still, you know, attacked the rookies on the other side for the most part. Um, but he didn't make any plays. He had zero interceptions. Um, you know, turned like I said, looked really bad in escorting people down the field instead of tackling them, sort of, you know, turning them out of bounds and these kind of things. And so I think that Brent is not a guy that wants to play football. I mean, if I looked at the tape and I listened to Miko and, and you know, the reasons why he played, I think it had more to do with the money than the actual love of the game. I, I think he was retired before he stepped out on the field last year. That's just my opinion. He would disagree with it. I'm, I'm sure Miko would as well, but that's that's their business. Let's see if there's another team knowing you know that what comes with him and that is a lot of stuff on the internet um and instagram from his wife uh as well as she would most likely try to negotiate a contract but do you want rank rhymes you know at whatever he's going to be 33 34 years old uh and, and not really being all in i mean any guy that says you know hey i don't want to play man-to-man coverage you don't pay me enough to play man-to-man coverage i mean you know, who wants that guy? Who wants that player? You know, if I tell you to go return kicks, you should go return kicks, you know, because you're part of the team. So I just think that um, Brent Grimes has is, is probably played his last football. I There's always a team that's you know, only takes one, obviously. But at this point, I can't imagine that, um, that anybody, and there's still plenty of veteran corners out there, but that anybody is really hot on signing Brent Grimes. Finally, congratulations uh, to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They won the President's Trophy and clinched home ice advantage throughout the playoffs with still nine games to go with their win over the Arizona Coyotes. Trophies are hard to win. They, they truly are. And, and um, I think when you win one, you should be damn proud of it. The, uh, uh, I, I know the when you think of the National Hockey League and – you see in every June that the Stanley Cup is raised over somebody's head. Um, but there are 82 games played before you get to that point. And I know there's a lot of teams in this league that have not won that 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 trophy. And I think it's something you should embrace and enjoy it and something we'll always be able to look back and, and say for, you know, the 18-19 season, um, we accumulated the most points in the regular season. And we did it you know, fairly early. And so it's exciting. It should be exciting for the guys. I mean, in our organization, it's never been done. And so I look at it as as a great accomplishment and a reward to the players and our fans for an unbelievable regular season. Uh, Is that, in saying that, is that going to, does that predict future success? It does not. Uh, They're two entirely different seasons. But in order to have an opportunity to win the Stanley Cup, uh, you have to make the playoffs. And that's what we've done, and we're really excited about that. In a league with salary cap and parity, with nine games to go, you've already clinched the President's Trophy. Pretty impressive. I mean, look. There's only a handful of teams at this point that have clinched a playoff spot. Right. And they did that a week ago, it seems. The the Lightning did, but, I mean, other teams. I mean, very few have clinched a playoff spot yet in the NHL. And the Lightning already have the President's Trophy wrapped up. 
Well, we, we've already documented it's one of the most dominant regular seasons that a team has had in what almost, what, 20 years or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, catch the Detroit Red Wings from way back when. But yeah, they're, they're, uh, if you match it up to the, the Red Wings season of 95-96, they're one point behind them through 73 games. That's incredible. So it's a, it's a historic season. I, look, I, I hope they can continue this. The good thing is that they got tough games coming up against Washington. Um, they play them two more times. I think they play Boston. Boston so. twice. They got Toronto. They're at St. Louis yeah. and at Carolina this week, both playoff teams. Yeah, those are all good teams. And, and, and the good news is it'll keep their edge. They'll keep their edge. They'll keep their interest. Those Some of those teams um, still fighting for position within the playoffs. So I think that's, that's a good thing. Um, but, you know, it, it, to me, all that matters is, you know, do these guys stay relatively healthy by the time they get to the second season? And um, nothing else really matters at this point. You've done everything you can do with home ice advantage. Home ice advantage throughout the playoffs is, is the biggest single biggest thing you can play for in a regular season, you know, right? So mm-hmm. they gain that. The President Trophy is nice, but we know there's, you know, some history uh, with teams flaming out after being the best team in the regular season. I don't think that's going to happen to the Lightning. I don't think it's a burden they're going to carry around necessarily, but um, you know, all that all that remains to be seen. But to it'll, me, it'll be interesting matters. too of the next nine games if they start resting anybody. Does Stamkos well, take a night to. off? Does you know? Do you give Victor Hedman a night off even, or someone like that? Or you probably need Stroman and Girardi back at that point. But you know, do you start resting a couple of your stars just maybe one game on a back to back just to you know? It's about keeping them fresh for the postseason. I think you need to. In fact, if I if you don't see them do that, I think it's a mistake. I think John Cooper and his staff, you know, there's there, there literally is nothing to play for in terms of something that will help you towards the postseason. You you've done everything you can do. You've got the best record in the NHL. You've got home ice. Um, now you're just chasing history, which mm-hmm. is regular season history. But you know that that might be appealing to some of those players as they get closer to it. Maybe they want to go for it. But I think. It would be short-sighted, and I think you absolutely – a guy like Steven Stamkos, who's played an awful lot of hockey, Victor Hedman, what he means to that team, even Andre Vasilevsky, um, if you can give him some extra nights mm-hmm. off here and there, that would certainly help him be fresh. I mean, because it is – remember, if they go where they want to go, you're talking about a big grind. You're talking about months of hockey uh, in, in very physical, um, you know, totally different style of play in the postseason, up-tempo – playing every other night it's it's a it's going to be a, a you know it's a marathon it's a war of attrition so you better get if anybody has any nicks or dings or anything like that there literally isn't anything to play for so i would hope and i would expect it too wouldn't you steve i mean they're going to rest some guys they, i mean that's that's what this is the advantage is for here yeah i don't think you're gonna i don't think you're gonna see you know guys rest in three four games but you know you got no. back to back give you know yeah. give a couple players the night off on you know the first half and the night off in the second half you want I mean one of the things hockey players do are they're very much a routine and they like that you know one of the things about the playoffs that makes the playoffs so exciting is it's pretty much you know play a day rest a day play a day rest a day and the players get in routines and they they like having that and that keeps them sharp and focused you know if you start sitting too many games you get out of that routine you don't want that you want them sharp going into the playoffs sure. so you know I I wouldn't see like a Stamco sitting more than one or two games for the rest of the way uh, but you might sit some other guys too. Now, how much you play Louis Domingue, that'll be, I think, the real telling. The real tell is, well, you know, you, you want to keep Vasilevsky sharp, but you want to rest him as much as possible because you want him healthy and, and as rested as possible going into the playoffs. 
Let me ask you this, though. Even if you're not, maybe you're playing the game, and I know there's only so many players, but could you reduce some of the ice time that some of these guys are logging? Absolutely. You can play the fourth line and third line more minutes than you normally do and scale mm-hmm. back some. Um, you know, you might start seeing, too, is you, you might start seeing the second power play unit playing a little more of the power plays for the next nine games. Uh, just to get, you know, get them a little sharper and, and giving them a little more ice time on the power play, just getting them ready. I mean, you're not going to not play your first power play, you know, because you want to keep them in a good rhythm. But that second sure. power play unit doesn't get a lot of time on the ice. Because the yeah, first so one is all... the first one's scoring a lot, so they're not giving it to the second unit. So, you know, you might see them a little more. You might see, you know, you, yeah, you can reduce some ice time a little bit. And they've already been doing that kind of throughout the season. I mean, Hedman and McDonough are not logging as many minutes as they had in years past. And because of how successful they are and how deep they are, they've been able to roll lines instead of, you know, overplaying players. Right, and that's probably led to uh, guys being healthier during the regular season when you're not logging that many minutes as well. So, mm-hmm. look, just another another milestone, another something else to mark about this. What's been a very special Tampa Bay Lightning season that uh, still has still has things they can accomplish. But again, as far as, you know, your goals for the regular season, you know, win your division, um, you know, have the best record in, in the Eastern conference, have home ice throughout the playoffs, win the president's cup. I mean, those are, that's the only thing you play the regular season for the rest of it is just sort of, you know, historical in nature and, and they still have a shot at that. But I, I think that takes definitely a backseat to the postseason. So we'll see how John Cooper and the boys manage that, but um, certainly congratulations to them. And, Rick, on a record-setting night, we can't forget also about Steven Stamkos now sets the all-time record for goals scored in franchise history, goal number 384 tonight in the first period. On a tip from Victor Hedman, ironically enough, that's the way his first goal was. It was a tip off of Vinny LeCavalier's shot. So we're so used to seeing Stamkos in the power play uh, at the circle with the slap shot or the one-timers. Uh, but the, his first goal and his record-setting goal for the franchise is a tip in from Victor Hedman. A pretty cool moment at Amelie Arena where the crowd acknowledged it. Obviously, were cheering. They continued to cheer as play went on. Then they went to the t- TV timeout there, and the Lightning had a video uh, that they played on the video board commemorating it that they, they already had done. The crowd cheered through that. Stamkos then took a, a, a spin on the ice and acknowledged the crowd, and it was just a really cool moment. And he even talked about a postgame of how special it is. It was pretty special. Um, I didn't know how it was going to happen or how I was going to feel, but there was definitely some emotions, especially when uh, they had that TV timeout there and, and the crowd was, was going crazy. So it was, it was pretty amazing to see... Um, how they reacted, how my teammates reacted. So just uh, very honored and, and humbled to be, you know, part of history like that, and especially with some of the guys that I was lucky enough to play with in, in the past and to be up there with them. So definitely glad it happened in a win and in a game like today where um, so many special things happen. So in a season where records are falling for the Lightning, they've set the record in franchise wins. They got number 56 on Monday night. They've set the record in points. They're up to 116 points. That's an all-time record for the franchise. Tonight they win their first ever President's Trophy, meaning the, the most points in the NHL. And they still have nine games to go. To do this on March 18th, still crazy. And then Steven Stamkos sets the career uh, goal record tonight at 384 goals in his career. And he did it in about 300 games less than Vinilo Cavalier, who was second on the list. And don't forget, Nikita Kucherov has already set the record in number of points scored by a Lightning player in a season. And so he continues to improve on that, although he didn't get a point on Monday night. Remember, folks, before we get out of here, I know you have a choice of air conditioning companies. Please contact our folks uh, at Millionaire. Howard and Sue Million have done this now for uh, the longest time in Tampa Bay. 
And uh, right now they're offering 0% interest for 72 months in qualifying equipment. Give them a call at Millionaire at 727-862-2100. Trust the masters of comfort, Millionaire. For Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 